player. Supernatural. Is anyone The authenticity of these accounts has not been verified, but some would say the very act of seeking out such tales of the supernatural is to invite these forces into your life. Some would say. Back for more? Good. This is your host and narrator Tim O, with another short series of chilling stories best enjoyed at bedtime. And by now you know the drill. Turn down the lights, come a little closer, and prepare yourself for Supernatural Confessions, Tales of the Twilight. I was only 10 years old when my family moved into a flat in the west of Singapore. It was a big deal for me, because unlike our last flat, this one was a double-story apartment. This masonette even had a little balcony in the back. Of course, it wasn't long before the experiences began. The balcony faces a children's playground and a racket court, where people usually play sapat takro and sometimes badminton. I would sit in the corner to watch what was happening outside. We lived on the second floor, so the balcony gave us a pretty good view of whatever game was being played on the court. Above the balcony was the master bedroom window. The thing is, I remember every time I sat there watching a game, I'd feel someone watching me from that bedroom window. When I looked up, nothing. Every now and then, my family would have dinner on that balcony, and I always felt that same sensation of someone watching us from that window. My sister had a different experience. There were times she would head to the kitchen and smell something horrible, like rotting food. Mom would always pass it off as the smell of bread. We never got a chance to ask my mom about this again before she passed away but I always suspect she knew more about that smell than she let on. And that wasn't all. Sometimes, if I was watching TV alone at home, out of the corner of my eye, I would catch something white flapping on the staircase, but as always, turn my head and there'd be nothing there. There were a lot of creepy moments in that house, and I was so glad when we eventually moved out. Years ago, my friends and I decided to go camping on the beach of Pulau Ubin. We packed our haversacks with food and drinks for the night and met at the port. I remember how excited we all were because it would be the first time we were staying overnight at Pulau Ubin. By the time we reached, it was almost evening. We quickly set up our tent under a huge coconut tree before trying to start a fire. We had a hard time finding sticks and branches to use, and by the time the campfire was lit, the sun had already set. We could hear all types of animals around us, but it was almost too dark to see. It was when we turned to the sea where we could make something out in the distance. 
five boats approaching the shore. We strained our eyes trying to follow their movements. And when they got closer, the people, or what we thought were people that climbed out, were holding what looked like rifles with bayonets. I remember us inching back to our tents while keeping our eyes trained on those figures. But as they made their way to the tree line, we lost them in the darkness. What happened next, I'll never forget. We heard gunshots and screaming in the distance, the sound of planes zooming above us even though the night sky was clear. It lasted just a couple of minutes before everything went silent again, and the only sounds were of waves lapping the shore. At first light, we quickly packed up and went back home. The next day, unable to process what had just happened, my friends and I visited the National Library where we did some research on Pulau Ubin. As it turns out, during World War II, the Japanese had invaded Pulau Ubin and slaughtered many villages there. Could what we have experienced been echoes of the past, or the residual hauntings of victims tied to that very island and unable to move on to this day? I grew up in this Malay kampung in Andrew Avenue, just opposite Sembawang Park. The 60s were much simpler times, and looking back, I have so many childhood memories of cycling around with the neighborhood kids. We got into so much trouble, but there was always one rule we never broke. Home by 8pm, and no exceptions. The neighborhood bread, or roti man, would always warn us, never go out alone at night because you might meet the Pontiana. Of course, I would later learn that you weren't necessarily safe indoors either. One night, I was sleeping soundly on the second floor of our house. I didn't even have a proper bed. I was sprawled out on my straw mat at the corner of the room when I suddenly opened my eyes. As they widened, I saw her standing beside me. I remember the long black hair which covered her face, that white gown, and her very petite frame. I was paralyzed with fear. I couldn't even have screamed if I wanted to. The only thing I could do was close my eyes, pretend I was asleep, pretend I didn't see, pretend she wasn't there. I couldn't even tell my mother about it the next day. It's been many years since. Today, I have daughters of my own, and like all kids, they're also curious and excited about ghost stories. I even told them about that girl I saw years ago in the middle of the night. One of my daughters said, I should have been more observant, instead of closing my eyes, so I would have more details to remember. I always smile and say, just wait till it's your turn to meet her then you can tell me what she looks like. Did you enjoy our tales tonight? Our collection is sourced from wherever creepy stories are found. Publications, broadcasts, online, and word of mouth. And that's why we need you. If you have a story to share, submit it through our official website, 
supernaturalconfessions.com. As always, you'd be doing us a great favor by telling all your friends about us and helping to grow our podcast. Thank you, and catch us next time before something catches you. I'm Timo, and this has been Supernatural Confessions, Tales After Twilight. Supernatural Confessions. Confessions. <sighs>